Last week was Father's Day. I know you guys are looking at that title and it's the same old God new tricks. And yes, I was inspired because we are dog sitting Abby's two large German shepherds, which are in all accounts good dogs, but big dogs. I'm teaching the important stuff like how to catch a goldfish cracker and sit. But anyway, uh, in the meantime, we have our three old dogs, one of which is Lucy. If, if Lucy were born another animal, she would have been a manatee because she just kind of loafs around and floats around. And if she was born an inanimate object, it definitely be a speed bump. But I can't teach her a thing. She's taught me a couple things, like you put her in bed with you when there's lightning or else you get no sleep. So, but anyway, last week was Father's Day. And during our Sunday morning message, I shared a list of what modern psychologists would describe as characteristics of a good father. And as we took a quick look at this, we, we referenced Bible verses where these were commanded or advised, we noted that many of the things that, that the world, that we as society, describe as good or right or true have a scriptural basis. Even, even if God doesn't get credit, many of the things that we know to be right are based on God's instructions for our life. And we then recognize how these traits of a good father are fulfilled by God, our Heavenly Father. And this week we're going to continue to look at some additional characteristics of God. And it's important that we understand not only who God is, but also what he is. Now, remember, we're to view and appreciate God as the provider and not just focus on what he can or does provide. Therefore, because he wants us to live in accordance with his will, we need to know and understand what his will is. Therefore, uh, or because he wants us to have a personal relationship with him, he needs to know, or we need to know, him on a deeper level. This is one of the main reasons the Bible was written. And we know God through his creation. Romans 1.20 tells us this, for since the creation of the, world's, uh, the world, God's invisible qualities, which are his internal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. I don't know how you can look out the window, even in this beautiful sanctuary, and see the beauty of creation, the flowers that just pop up on their own, not, not just accounting for the ones we planted, but we have an Easter lily. Is that still out there, Al? There's an Easter lily out there, and green, green trees, and, and grass, and blue skies, and all this wonderful stuff. How can you look out there and not go, God, the creator, is good and wants us to enjoy creation? And it's the psalmist who writes, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show his handiwork. We also know God through his son. In John 14, 6, 10, we find these words. It says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We know this. It says, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. So his disciple Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. We know the Father through Jesus, which is why we study Jesus and his life and his teachings, and that's why it's important that we have that relationship with him. And we know God through those who teach and share the word. In Jeremiah 3.15, so this is Old Testament, it says God's own words tell us that he will give us shepherds after his own heart who will lead us with knowledge and understanding. 
Now, some translations, including the King James Version, use the word pastors. And the role of a pastor is to guide people into an understanding and a relationship with God through Jesus Christ so that the redemption is guaranteed and salvation is assured. That's what awaits for you as you enter this relationship with Jesus and get to know God the Father. A redemption that's guaranteed and a salvation that's assured. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, Paul writes, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and the knowledge of Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now you'll notice that the apostle Paul differentiates apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And although these may be the same person, they are different roles. And we have a role among that. We may not all be called to be you know, teachers or evangelists, but we all have a calling. This is the great commission that says go, right? Share the word, save people, baptize, right? But if I'm preaching and you are learning, I'm a teacher, okay? If I'm preaching and you are developing a deeper relationship with Jesus and you're making positive changes in your life as a result, then I'm being a pastor. And if I'm not doing either, I'm just simply a speaker. And I have a lot of responsibility, but it's a shared one. So what you do with each week, with the challenge I give to you, that's your responsibility too. And we work together, you with each other, you with me. We all work together in this thing we call the church to deepen our relationship, to seek God, right? To, to mature ourselves. And there are times when we need to encourage each other. There's times when we need to be encouraged by each other. But each week I, I offer a challenge or, or I might even offer one of those what I call risky prayer. You know, a couple recently, have you been giving God the first five minutes of your day? Not the last five minutes when it's real easy to say, God, thank you for what you've done, but the first five that says, God, I thank you for what you may do today. Have you improved your prayer life even one bit? And that doesn't necessarily mean more have you just improved your prayer life? Are you talking? Are you being more genuine? Are you working to improve yourself in the areas of forgiveness, engaged worship, loving and serving others? Are you taking a godly king kingdom perspective with your time on earth, right? Are you seeing others as he sees them? Are you seeing yourself as God sees you? If I can do better, let's talk, okay? I want to. And if you can do better and I can help you with that, let's talk. Right? That's accountability. But I digress. Let me read that passage again. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. It says, So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, one of the things we're doing on Sunday morning is we're studying the book of Acts. Now, Acts is, is a continuation of the Gospels, and it's really where the formation of the church happens. And there's a lot that's being revealed and will continue to be revealed about why we gather. And I'm kind of hinting at that this morning. But one of the greatest stories of conversion is the story of Paul. Now, Paul was originally named Saul, not a good guy, um, persecuted the Christians, you know, um, Tax collector, just by all accounts, not a good guy. But, but when, he, when the Lord came to him and, and revealed himself and Paul says, okay, I'm, I'm all in. I'm greatly paraphrasing. Um, 
he had a lot of people. I'll call them students because they weren't followers of her. Because one thing Paul did was he, he taught people to follow Jesus, not him. He often he deflected the attention from himself saying, you know, do as I do because I'm following him. You know, do what I do because I'm imitating him. So we're imitating Jesus. But one of his was a young man by the name of, of Timothy. And um, Paul wrote several letters to Timothy of instruction and encouragement. And we're very familiar with the portion of a second letter, which explains the Bible. Okay, but I want to read it in context. And this is something I do want to challenge you to do. If you like reading the, the verses you know, John 3, 16, read before and after. To get the context of this. But you'll, you'll hear what I'm talking about in a second. This is 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. It says, but as for you, talking to Timothy, he says, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So again, he's saying there are people that God has, in, has called and put in, in a position to teach and share the word. And, and you have that responsibility too. And he's saying, continue that. And then he goes on to the part you're familiar with. He says, all scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, right? So there's two parts of this. There's, there's the Bible, which is our reference. And I, I've shared a message I call the open book exam. Life's, life's tough, right? Life's hard. But the wonderful thing about this test of life is all your answers are right here. And you don't have to memorize it. It's good. But you do need to open it because it's an open book exam, this thing. But another thing is Timothy had people in his life, part of which, number one of which was Paul, who have taught him, okay? Now, despite my best efforts during Sunday morning message time and the Bible studies on Wednesday and Sundays, nothing I can say or do um, can connect you to God like your own efforts can, right? Read his word for yourself. Talk to him directly. Rely on him fully and trust in him completely, and I'm talking to myself too. And if I can, actually, if any of us can help you along this walk, that is why God established the church. But if we were to oversimplify the nature of God, it would be to say that God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Those are kind of fun but tough to say. But that means God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere. And it sounds mysterious, maybe even a little fictitious, but it also sounds comforting and assuring, Okay. The very first words in the Bible reveal his great power. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything, again, that we enjoy and know was that he created. Our Father is creative. Everything we can see, touch, hear, smell, everything we can physically experience throughout the day is a result of his power and divine design. And he delights in us as we enjoy his creation. It's in Ecclesiastes 3, 12 through 13 that Solomon writes, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. He says, this is the gift of God. And Psalm 149 tells us that the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He delights. He loves. We are his children. He loves watching us enjoy what he's given us. He loves it even more when we, when we do this in accordance with his will. Here's one we don't read from very often. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. 
He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. The Lord delights in you. And we know from Deuteronomy, the Lord goes with us. He is everywhere. He is all-powerful, and he's all-knowing. In fact, maybe this, hopefully this will make you feel comfortable. Maybe this will maybe a little convicting. Matthew 6, 8 tells us he knows our prayers before we pray them, right? He knows what's on your heart, and more importantly, cares. So why do we need to pray it then? Well, that's as much for us as it is for him. He says, turn this stuff over to me. Trust me. Now, how do you do that if you don't open yourself and say, God, I'm, I'm worried about this. Psalm 139, the psalmist tells us how he knows when we get up in the morning and when we go to bed at night. He says he knows everything we're going to do tomorrow, the next day, next week, and every moment until the, the moment of our death. And I'll add, and he still loves us because we don't always get it right. Matthew 12, 36 says he records every word we say and will someday call us to account for every careless, thoughtless, and unkind comment. But you know what else he'll do? He'll recognize us for the wonderful way we live. And you know what else he'll do if we have accepted Jesus Christ? He'll forgive us for our sins. First Chronicles 28, 9 says, the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind every thought. Okay, does that bring you comfort or conviction? He sees what is behind and what is ahead, all the threats, all the dangers, and he loves you and he protects you. And you'll notice that almost all the scripture I've shared so far is from the Old Testament. Although we, we know that there is a trinity of God, the Old Testament teaches about God himself. And the stories there reveal his will and character and his works in their lives. And, and the Old Testament is literally a record that begins at the beginning of time as we understand it, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The written accounts, the pages themselves were written thousands of years ago. The oldest biblical text found so far is about 2,700 years old. And in 1946, ancient manuscripts were found written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, the, the, the original languages of the Bible. And they were written on parchment made of papyrus. And these included words included in the Bible and served not only as an interesting archaeology discovery, but also proof of prominence, you know, you ever play that game, maybe at camp, where you're like, you, you tell a little secret around the circle and it, it always gets messed up by the time of the end. Yet somehow over the course of 2,700 years, you know, there's almost like this little, um, what do they call that, a time vault where they, they set aside these words, they pull it back out and like, wow, that's Deuteronomy, written on papyrus, dated 2,000 years ago. If this type of evidence intrigues you, you may be interested in a book. It's called The Case for Christ. Has anybody heard of The Case of Christ? Fascinating story. There's a seasoned journalist. He's a Yale Law School student, and, and he was an atheist. So he decided, in his own words, to determine if there's credible evidence that Jesus of Nazareth really is the Son of God. As a side note, he had decided to do this after his wife became a Christian. I will never work so hard to disprove my wife about anything. Okay, I don't know how this turned out. Well, we know how it turned out for him, but... I would not undertake anything like that. But as he interviewed scholars and archaeologists and historians, he also objectively and, and skeptically dug into historical and scientific evidence. Remember, his purpose was a little biased towards disproving the existence of God and who his son was. Now, I don't want to ruin the story for you. Actually, you know how it ends. But you can assume what he found. And to that point, he ended up writing additional books, The Case for Faith, The Case for Creator, and The Case for Grace. 
Now this poses a question. Is it blasphemous to wonder about God? To look at something, how can this be? And I don't think so. You know, I'll tell you when I'm giving my opinion. I'm giving my opinion. I don't think that it is. Because scripture says it's through the testing of our faith that we develop perseverance, right? Now we can certainly consider this when faith is being tested by a circumstance or situation or, or something like that. Even God himself will test our faith in order to grow us. But we can test our own faith. In either case, the result of a genuine effort is the same. A stretched faith will be met by God. We did a whole series called Far Flung Faith. And it was interesting that we talked about all these characters and then even in our own life, how we'd fling our faith a little farther. And now God has met that with, with answer and reason for faith. And now, now our faith is all the way over here. So it doesn't have, take as much faith to go, God's got this because he's got it before. So he'll stretch us a little further and a little further. Doesn't always feel good, but the result is always amazing. Now, during the work week, I work for a large company doing all kinds of different things. And one of my responsibilities is called space planning and occupancy. It's about as exciting as it sounds. And this requires a little architectural work and, and some construction and a lot of problem solving and operations management. And the most challenging thing about my job is, this, is the requirements are always changing. Pre-pandemic, I was taking a building that would hold about 1,200 people. We already had 1,243 and trying to fit a whole bunch more people. So I'm redesigning furniture and offices and everybody gets six inches less here and three inches less of aisle and all within code and all this stuff. And I was real, literally working through that and then pandemic, right? Okay, projects on hold. Thank goodness I have a job still. And then it was, okay, how can we get as many people as possible six feet apart? Redesign the whole building, all this stuff. And then pandemic's not over, but certainly the, the, the requirements have changed. I, I must have redesigned everything from the, the restaurant to the fitness center to the offices a dozen times in a year, and that's, that's fine. But the most challenging thing is, is these requirements are constantly changing. And I love it, and it keeps me busy, and, it's, and I love solving the problems. But, you know, when will it end? Friends, the nature of God may be hard for us to fully comprehend, right? How can you love someone unconditionally with this agape love we've been talking about, despite what they do, Right? How can we view others as the way God views them? How can we have this, how can this enormous power to create exist? How can you forgive? I mean, even think about what he had to forgive with those who, who murdered his son or us who, who basically drove those nails in with every sin that we commit. We can't fully comprehend all this stuff that our wonderful father does, Right? But there's something that you need to know. He does not change. He does not change. The same God that created you and loved you, loves you and is glad that he made you, right? With everything he created, he said, it is good. It is good. And I found a couple of verses that just kind of give us a little bit of a, a, a warm feeling about, about the foundation, the solidness, the unchanging nature of God. One is Numbers 23, 9, 19. So way back to Old Testament, it says, God is not man that he should lie. Well, there he's revealing a little bit about our nature, right? Or it says, or a son of man that he should change his mind, right? He, he Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? If you've got a, a, a God that doesn't change his mind, 
if he says what he's going to do, he does what he says, and then he puts it in writing, that makes every word in here a promise. Every one of these is now a promise. Isaiah 40, 28, again, God's own words. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He's not going to get bored with trying to help us. He's not going to get restless with waiting on us to get it right, right? The scripture says the Lord is patient, as we, as, not even as we understand patience, but he wants all of us to come to salvation. Again, Malachi, Old Testament, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. God made a promise. He says, I will not destroy the earth. I will not destroy mankind. The verse that, that Al read, James 1.17, for every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Even the Son, Jesus Christ, modeled this, Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It may be a difficult target to hit, perfection, sinless, right? Love everyone, forgive everyone, love ourselves. That may, be a, that may seem like a small target, but it will never, ever move. I want to uh, challenge you this week to get to know God better than just to blindly believe the simple statement that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and, all, and everywhere, right? Sunday morning messages, these 18 to 23 minutes, is, is an appetizer. It's a little bit of information about why there's a reason we have hope. And maybe we'll get into a little bit of study. But usually you want to come out of here with just a hunger to know God a little more. Why is it that he said these things? Let me look at those scriptures and get them in context. So that's my challenge this week. Read his word. And if you need something to help you do that, join one of our studies, Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings. Sign up for a verse of the day. They're all over the internet. Get a little bit of scripture sent to you. And if you want to up your game a little bit, dive into what that means or, or talk about what that means around the table. Read a devotion of some kind. Get a little more knowledge. But more importantly, talk to him. Watch for his work in the world. And I'm not just talking about the beauty of the nature, but the way he works through people, the opportunities he puts before you to, to reflect him. And as always, if I can do anything to help shepherd you, right, pastor you, into a better understanding relationship with your creator, God, your redeemer, Jesus Christ, or your sustainer, of the Holy Spirit, I want to hear from you. If you simply need some pastoral care, I am here. Don't hesitate to reach out to me. And, and I tell you what, I love hearing from people throughout the week. I love that we get prayer requests. Nothing makes me feel more involved and in, in like I'm actually contributing something when someone says, hey, will you keep this person in mind on prayers or on, on this morning when we're, we're taking notes and we don't have any this week per se, but sometimes someone will pray and say, hey, so-and-so is having a procedure on Thursday. And on Thursday, you better believe I'm praying. And I hope you guys are too. So we, we're few in numbers often, but I want to assure you what we're doing here is making an impact in the kingdom. Not just in the community, not just through the, the donuts on Saturday mornings and the, and the, the hot dog roast and, and the way we involve ourselves in the community and the heifer fund and all these things that this little church blows me away, how this little church makes an impact. 
but even what we share on Sunday mornings, people listen online, we're hearing from them. What we're doing here, what we're supporting here, this mission of Jesus Christ is making a difference in the world. So don't discount that. But again, if you ever need any kind of care, you've got a community church here for you. I know this room, there's not a single person here that wouldn't do something for the person, a person in need. So let's just close with a word of prayer. Father God, we just can't fully even comprehend who you are. How can you be all powerful and everywhere and all this stuff? It just, it just seems so fictitious to us. Yet, but we can never deny that we experience that. Everywhere we go, everything we do, we experience you. We know you're right there. Lord, help us to get into a deeper understanding and relationship with you. Help us to claim the promises that you put in writing, the promises that you love us, that you have a plan for us, a purpose for us, something good for us. Lord, in your same promise, you, you made other promises. If we do this, then you will do that. If we repent, you will forgive, right? If we will love others, if we will show mercy, then we will be blessed. Lord, we stand on every one of these promises. It is with that that we go into the world. We'll go into the, the week. We'll, just, we'll walk out of this building with a confidence because we know that you've got our back, that you are in control. So Father God, we may not fully understand who you are, but we fully thank you and praise you for who you are. As always, I wanna conclude with just thanking you for the wonderful nature your presence here in this building. I ask your blessing over everybody here this morning, those who listen online. Lord, may we be changed and, and more importantly, a little curious about who you are, having heard what we heard this morning. May we continue to seek you and talk to you more often and let us become ever more aware of your presence in our life, moving those pieces around us, lining them up into your perfect will. God, we thank you for who you are, a good, good father. And we lift this all up to you, including our lives. In your son's name, amen.